I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, January 22, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. At first blush, it looks like the market didn't do anything. It was mainly a flat day across the board, minus a couple of indices here and there, which we'll obviously get to. But when you just look at the S&P 500, you say it was a flat day. The actual SPX, which is the cash index, finished the day up less than one point. So it was basically a flat day or rounding error. However, you know me better than that. We're going to look back inside the market. We're going to peel back the onion. We're going to see what the market is actually telling us. Is there anything from other charts, other charts around the horn, other charts within the S&P 500 that lay on different time frames? Are there other charts that are telling us any kind of story whatsoever? That's what we're going to address in this video today. Let's start with the big picture the daily chart, is there anything technically wrong with the market? No, we're in the same position we were yesterday, obviously, if we had a flat day. However, if you look a little closer, you're going to see something interesting. We made a new high today, yet we finished near the lows. That's a poor close. It has to be of note. It has to be a puzzle piece. It's on the table. There are more puzzle pieces, but just from a daily chart perspective and the fact that we had somewhat of a gap in crap today, not a violent gap in crap, it was a very quiet day across the board, but we have to take notice of the fact that it was, in fact, a gap in crap. Some of you will ask, can we call today a reversal candle? And the answer is, not really. The market made a new high, finished on the lows, were high on the chart, We've had down days before that turned out to be just that, a down day. So we're not going to read anything into this just yet. Has the underlying picture changed? Have I changed my opinion? No. My work hasn't changed. We're looking for a top. Now I need to qualify this because I'm getting a lot of stuff coming from a couple of different angles about the top or a top at some point in time. I need to clear up the air. When I say we're looking for a top, that means the market's in an uptrend. However, we have an awareness that we're looking for a top. There's a difference between looking for a top and calling a top. I didn't say it was a top. I said we're looking for a top, and this is the sweet spot in time. This week would be the sweet spot in time where if a top is going to come in, This is the most likely scenario there is. That's what my work is telling me. So make the distinction between calling a top and looking for a top. Two totally different things. Have I said before that a trader could trade against today's high? Not necessarily today's high, meaning today, but in the past. Trade against today's high and therefore, if price were to trade and close the day above that high it then would turn out to be an incorrect trade you would cut and run. We know that. We talk about that all the time. Doesn't mean that you don't have to have a couple of cracks when you're looking for a top. Okay, fair enough. I said my piece. 
Here's a picture of the S&P E-mini futures contract. Why are we looking at this? It looks slightly different than the SPY because it trades for the most part around the clock with minor exception. You see here a tail candle, the S&P futures closing at the low for the day based on the 415 close, 33.20 on the button. Now there's a couple of other things going on here. There's always a method to the madness. So let me just explain a little bit further why we're looking at the ES contract or the futures contract. Here's a picture of the continuous contract. This is basically around the clock of the 15-minute ES chart. The horizontal trend line you see is at 33.25. Why is 33.25 important? We're looking at a snapshot of inside the numbers, and here are the important numbers. You'll notice 33.25 on the page. Okay, fair enough. We've talked about that number before. What else you got? Let's start with the pre-market morning notes. We're talking about 33.25 long before the market even opens for business. We've talked about it before. 33.25 is, in fact, one of our important numbers. I'm going to also give you a snapshot of what was discussed during the day inside the numbers. We didn't have any stocks on the move that triggered early in the morning. We had one J&J that missed by a few pennies, took off like a rocket to the upside. However, it left without me. Maybe we had some front runners in the game. The opportunities were thin this morning based on the gap up. There wasn't a lot of stocks on the move. It is what it is. However, you'll see J&J entry number one was listed at 145.91. It made a low of day slightly above that just by pennies and then took off to the upside. Okay, back to business. Let's scroll up and give you a snapshot of what was going on throughout the trading day inside the numbers. It was relatively quiet, but we had the schematic once again. So here's the point. If you're trading throughout the trading day, if you're active during the trading day, regardless of whether or not you're trading in the ES or SPY, S&P 500, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you understand what the larger picture is, even from an intraday perspective of what the market's doing. Why is that? Because by and large, using the 80-20 rule, the majority of the stocks, not necessarily in tandem, not to the same magnitude, but they will move kind of like waves in the ocean. They will move along with the S&P 500. Not all the time, not every day, not all day, but by and large, using the 80-20 rule, that does happen more often than not. Stocks trade to their own numbers, that's for certain, but from a directional standpoint during the day, they will tend to mirror the S&P 500 a lot of the time. So it pays to understand what's going on with the S&P, where are the important numbers, where will it run into resistance, where is the support, what is the likely range until it's not, where is the upside capped at, where is the downside capped at, what happens if those price areas are broken, what are the next important numbers or resistance and support areas in the S&P? It's worth its weight in gold if you use it properly. Can you use it to directly trade the S&P? Absolutely. Traders do it all the time. 
Also, as you'll notice throughout the trading day, if I'm able to provide a lesson to be learned using what just happened in the market or what is happening at present, I provide the lesson. I think it's valuable information. This is a marathon. We learn as we go. We compound the knowledge, which in turn compounds our trading and investment accounts. I've said that before. I'll say it again. Why? Because it's true. Knowledge is power. Now, let's get back to business with the S&P E-mini futures chart, and let's just look what happened in and around 33.25. Now, the vertical line represents all the activity beginning today. The first green candle you see running right through the vertical line is today's first 15-minute candle. So everything to the right of that is today's activity. Look what happened when the market did get to 33.25. Even though we were gapping up in the morning, we knew our numbers. We also knew what was below 33.25. If you go back to the notes that you just read that I scrolled through, you'll notice we discussed a gap slightly below. Let me go to a pit session chart so we can see it from a different viewpoint. Here's the pit session only chart. Same routine, 33 and a quarter was hit right around midday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, had a nice rally off that, and came back. When they came back, what did they do? Instead of stopping at the same important number, they went for the gap that resides at 33.21 and a quarter. That was also discussed inside the numbers long before the gap was reached. They did get a relatively nice bounce off that gap. We can zoom in and take a better look at it. Now, here's a five-minute chart, and you can see the green horizontal trend line, 33.21 and a quarter, represents the gap we just looked at. It's a different gap on a five-minute chart, but that's the number. So you can see what happened. We dipped slightly below, filling the five-minute gap, and then rallying to where? Right back to 33 and a quarter, or 33.25, but slightly above that, that became resistance. So what happens is, what is once support becomes resistance, what is once resistance becomes support. They close the day below the number. To me, it represents an important development. I think that number, from what I can tell, is important. So therefore, until proven otherwise, we go with 33.25, is in fact an important number. What's the corresponding number in the SPY chart? Here's a 60-minute chart, 331.75. It's give or take pennies on either side. The futures number and the corresponding SPY number is a little bit of a moving target because the futures number is essentially adjusted each and every day as we get closer to the expiration of said futures contract. We're in the March contract now. That's too complicated. You don't need to know it. I'm giving you the numbers. The numbers are important. And by the way, just using the duck and the 80-20 rule, you can see visually that that area is important. 331.75, give or take something on either side. You can see the market ran up there. It consolidated. It broke out. It came back. Now we're below. It's an important price zone. What about other charts? Looking at the 120-minute chart, we don't need this anymore. We already know that area is important. 
So here, you can see we're above all the moving averages. So the market, in terms of the 120-minute chart, is simply just grinding higher. We had somewhat of a tail candle, pseudo-doji candle, all that stuff. That stuff that's taught in the course, lazy e-mini trader. But from a big-picture perspective on a 120-minute chart, this is just a market that's eating time off the clock in an uptrend. Nothing more, nothing less. You can't really get anything more out of this chart. How about the 240 chart? Is there anything to be discussed here? Is that a tail candle in the previous 240 candle? This one right here. It's a doji. Is that a trend change signal? Technically, it can be, but we have to notice that, again, we're high on the chart. We've seen those before. All they've proven to be is just a day that was flat. So until we have something more tangible to sink our teeth into, we're just going to go with the important numbers above is most bullish and below. We're going to consider it a fumble for the bulls as long as we're below ES 33 and a quarter, 331.75 in the SPY. What's doing over in Camp IWM? It looks different than the S&P 500, a completely different chart than we just looked at. As we know, my favorite market leading indicator, number one. Number two is the transports. So we're going to talk about these because they are acting together over the last few days different than the S&P 500. It has to be of note. It has to be a puzzle piece. It must be on the table. Now, technically, there's nothing wrong with the market. It's in an uptrend. The daily chart is above all the moving averages. There's nothing wrong with the market. All we've essentially done is come back to test a what? A former breakout area. You can see that right here. So the market broke out. We rallied up. We pulled back. We rallied up and broke out. We talked about the same thing last night. All we've done is fill the gap and come down to a former breakout area. That's garden variety, normal market behavior. How do we know something's changing? Once the market begins closing daily below this gap, that's something different. When the market, if the market closes daily below that gap, it's going to be challenging the 20-day moving average. So then it will be showtime. We're putting the pieces to the puzzle together. The market is bullish, but we know there's going to be a top. Whether the top is now, whether the top is a month from now, there's going to be a top. Let's discuss the obvious, and then we'll discuss an awareness. The obvious is the market's bullish. It's in an uptrend. Everybody's happy. The economy's great. Everybody's talking up the market. Things are bullish. Sentiment is bullish. The market keeps grinding higher. Everybody's making money if they have mutual funds, 401k funds, pensions, Everybody seems to be making money, so therefore, the prevailing wisdom is that it will continue. The awareness is that we're in the redonkulous. The market's going to reverse from somewhere. There's going to be pain. People will look back and say, I can't believe that we thought it was just going to run forever. That's the awareness part. And the old adage in trading is, you just keep riding the bull until the bull throws you off. That's what the money managers are doing. That's what the hedge fund managers are doing. That's what traders are doing. As long as we all know the difference between the obvious and what's going on and an awareness of what's ultimately going to happen, 
It's just a matter of when. Here's an hourly chart of the IWM. Different picture again from the SPY. We made a new high today in the SPY or the S&P 500. Here's your hourly chart there. Back to the IWM, you fill a gap and we're hanging down around the gap. Now it was filled late in the day, so we can certainly see a gap up in the morning. However, what's going on here from an hourly chart perspective? Isn't this a down move and then some kind of a bearish wedgish pattern that will normally do this? And if it doesn't do this, how do we know it's going the other way? Well, we can use this pivot high as the gauge on the hourly chart. You start trading up there, you'll fill the gap, and all of a sudden, things aren't so bearish anymore. They begin to turn bullish, and if that's turning out to be the case, your S&P will likely be again at new highs. That's both sides of the coin. You have to be the umpire. 120-minute chart, basically the same look, but here's the point I want to make here. So the market comes down and they fill the gap. They trade away, but they trade back into a, what I like to call a chop shop formation, and they're hanging down around the gap. Here's the point. They had every opportunity to trade back north away from the gap, certainly while the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 were trading higher, the IWM is hanging down around the gap. Is that a tell? I think it is. It's one of the reasons why it's my favorite market leading indicator. It's a bearish pattern hanging down around an area that they didn't have to hang around at. They had the opportunity, but they passed on the opportunity. I think that's important. I think it's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What's doing down at the transportation department? Same routine. The market tops out the other day. Bad day yesterday. Another bad day finishing near the lows today. Is that a tell? It's my second favorite market leading indicator for a reason. It's also our number one canary in the coal mine. Does anybody think it was an accident or a coincidence that the transports closed at 10999 rather than 11000 No, there's nobody thinks that's a coincidence. And if you do, you're wrong. Speaking of coincidences, here's a short hop. Here's the daily chart of the SPX. This is the cash index. Now look at the high of the day. The high of day happens to be 3,337.77. Now, that's not going to mean a lot to a lot of you, but it will mean a tremendous amount to those traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Back to the transports and the hourly chart for a moment. Let me just circle back real quick. Why are those numbers important that I just showed you in the SPX? Numbers are important. Certain numbers are important. And when certain numbers show up, over and over again, or in a certain way, or out of the blue, we take notice. May turn out to be nothing. If we make new highs again, it will have turned out to be exactly nothing. But right now, it may be something. Now, back to the hourly chart of the transports. Let's go learn something. We'll look at this two different ways. Remember, we're the guys and gals in blue, the umpires. We can certainly make the argument that this is another down move after a down move after a down move and somewhat of a bearish flaggish type of pattern that will normally go down farther and you have a nice juicy 200 period moving average on the hourly chart. Seems like a pretty good spot, all things being equal. However, not so fast. But wait, there's more. Where did the transports really just trade into? 
Is that a former breakout area? You bet your bottom dollar it is. This is the way I look at it. The market runs up and runs into trouble right here, okay? So we know that the market broke out above these highs. The market pulled back, consolidated, eight time off the clock, whatever you want to say. So this is essentially another one of those famous bull flaggish wedgish patterns. So the market came back in to test the former breakout area. What about this one up here? Well, it did it there too. You see what happened. The market came down, it hit that spot, and it bounced off that spot. Then it came back down to another spot. This is also a breakout area. There can be one, two, three. There can be many breakout areas on all different charts. Our job is to identify them. The issue here is we haven't yet seen a bounce away or in the northern direction away from this breakout area. Not yet. The market's making a bearish pattern, or in this case, the transports are making a bearish pattern. We're into an area. I think it's go time. I think it's show time. I think this is another important area for the transports. How'd you like that little journey inside my head? And as we know, and we can say it all together, it's a dangerous place to be. Moving along over to Silicon Valley, taking a look at the queues. Anything wrong with the queues? Not really. Can we make a case there's a tail candle? If you want to, but I'm just going to look at it and say it's a red candle. The queues didn't do anything today. Nothing to see here. Move it along. Very high on the chart. We know we're far extended from home base. What's home base? 217, the 20 period moving average. Doesn't mean it has to come back down. I'm just stating a fact the way in which I choose to look at the markets. Everybody looks at them different. That's what makes a market. Two people, two traders, two investors, two analysts, two technicians, whatever you want to call it, two people look at the same thing and they can come up with two entirely different storybooks. Anything to see in the XLF? Not really. It was up a nickel. Nothing to see here. We'll just move it along. How about the SMH, which is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? Can you make a case there's a tail candle there? You can certainly make that case, but you can also make the same case. We're at new highs, and who cares about the tail candle? That's a valid case. If we had tremendous volume and a reversal, that's a different story. But the volume was basically on par or on average with the daily volume, so we can't really make any hay out of that. Let's see if we can make any hay out of the names we know, the widely held stocks. We'll start with the biggest, baddest one of them all, Amazon. Is there anything really technically wrong with this chart? In the daily chart, it's pointed up. It's making some kind of bullish, patternish type of thing. Very sloppy, very chop shopish. But it's above all the moving averages. And if you close the day above 1907, you could begin to see some bulls hop on board. What about the weekly chart? You have a breakup candle. You're basically just eating time off the clock above all these moving averages, building energy to do what? To go challenge the high of the breakdown candle. Where is that? Right around 1932. How do we know that? Because we see it over and over and over again. Where does that story fall apart? Probably a daily close below 1870, and that begins to be 
One of those cases where they're more likely going to test the low of the recent break up candle that would be right here. And oh, by the way, into those moving averages. That's just the way I'm looking at the weekly chart at first blush. How about Apple? Anything wrong with the Apple chart? Absolutely not. Look at this monster move in an uptrend, trending higher, grinding higher. Nothing to see here. Move it along. Anything wrong with the daily chart of Facebook? It's just basically going sideways, eating time off the clock, allowing what? Allowing the 20-period moving average time to creep up toward price, which basically resets the clock and allows price to move higher. Now, we don't know that for a fact, like it will happen, but what we do know is that's what the chart is telling us. Again, let's talk about the difference between reality and an awareness. Reality is we could wake up tomorrow and Facebook could be at 214 at the 20 period moving average or any morning for that matter. There's a gap down there. There's stuff down there. Now, the chart's not telling us that's happening. The chart is bullish. We can only go by what the chart is allowing us to interpret or read from what it's saying. What if I look at a short-term chart? What if I look at a 15-minute chart? What do I see here? Well, I see if I had to choose, right? If I had to say, what's more likely to have happen first? Hit the 200-period moving average right around 220.95, give or take, or get back up and be at 222.50. What's the more likely scenario based on the chart we're looking at? And the more likely scenario is the trend based on the close, based on where it is on this chart, the more likely scenario is 220.95 or the 200 period moving average also coinciding with these pivot lows down here. Something like this is more likely in the short term than to be all the way back up here in the short term. That doesn't have anything to do whatsoever with what the daily chart is doing or saying, that would still be a simple continuation of the chop shop formation on the daily chart. It's all a matter of perspective, how you look at the chart and what chart you're looking at. About Netflix, they had earnings last night. They got whacked this morning. They were up and then they reversed around the opening bell. They had a terrible day. Is there anything technically wrong with this chart? Well, it didn't have a great day, but as long as it's above the 200 with the 50 sloping up, 50 period moving average, and, and here's the key, you have to stay above 321. Why is that important? It's in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, and you need to know. It's one of those keys to the market. Above that number, Netflix is technically okay. Close daily below that number, and it's within pennies of that number, and there could be a lot more downside. That's what I see on the Netflix chart. How about Google, another monster trillion-dollar company? Is that a topping tale? Is that a reversal in the making? It's interesting. Let's see what we've got. We had a high of day right around 1,500, right? So the high was 1,500.58. Is that an accident or a coincidence? No, it's a big, fat, round number. It's a tail finishing near the lows, but you lack the institutional participation. All it was was average daily volume. So while it can be, we don't know yet, it doesn't have all the characteristics you need to put it down as a puzzle piece and say, hey, we got a reversal in Google, you can trade against that high. 
Can you trade against that high? Yes, you can, but it's not what I like to call a bona fide reversal. And with that, folks, it's getting long in the tooth. I'm a little bit out of wind, so I will pull the ripcord here. Before I do that, I will tell each and every one of you that I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible, so I thank you very much. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.